This is Nabil Raza. I'm Paige Waterhouse. And welcome back to the first episode of On Record, Season 2. Second semester. We are back. Nabil, how was your break? It was good. How was yours? It was good. Um, I'm still kind of asking people that question, even though we're into February. But sometimes I run into Accurate. people that I haven't seen since first semester. I had my I first test last week. Honestly, I just want to hear about their lives. First test? What class? Cell bio. Ooh, it's what you get for being a science major. Yeah. But I would like to introduce to you our new podcast editor. He's Who here with be? us now, actually. Oh um, no way, Mr. Raza. Would you like to? Would you like to come on air? Me? Um, <laughs> yeah, but no, I'm super excited. Yeah, I'd like to give a warm welcome to Nabil Raza, who's our new podcast editor for the yep. 131st. I almost said season 131st. Yeah. In essence, it is the 131st season. That is of the true Cavalier of the Cavalier Daily. If you Daily. think about it, if you think about it. Anyway, we're welcoming Nabil and we're congratulating him for being the new podcast editor of the Cavalier Daily. Also, Paige, you can use it. Thank you very much. Um, moving forward. So this week, we're going to be discussing the statuses and fates of two statues in the Charlottesville area. Both of them donated by Paul Goodloe McIntyre, who financed several statues, including the Robert E. Lee statue in Market Street Park. Recently, a mural regarding the statues has appeared on the downtown mall. This is correct. On January 25th, a mural debuted on the free speech wall at the Charlottesville downtown mall. Um, the lead artist was Romana Martinez, and she worked in collaboration with some Charlottesville local artists, and the activist group Monumental Justice um, that believes that local communities should be able to make decisions regarding public monuments. Um, so the mural featured two hands snapping a tiki torch in half, and that was in reference to the Unite the Right rally um, that occurred on August 11th and 12th back in 2017. Um, and the central image was surrounded by the phrase, we deserve a chance to heal and build a more inclusive future. The piece also featured some suggestions of what other statues locals would like to see replace some of the Confederate monuments that are around the Charlottesville area. For example, Queen Charlotte, for whom Charlottesville is named. An individual named York, who was an enslaved man who embarked on the Lewis and Clark expedition and had some great contributions to their journey. Lewis and Clark being specifically resonant to the Charlottesville community because Thomas Jefferson, of course, commissioned that expedition. Correct. Another example was a monument to Vinegar Hill, which was a historically black neighborhood that was destroyed back in the 1970s for redevelopment. What were the artist, artist's goals in creating this mural? So the mural is in support of the passing of two bills that are currently in the General Assembly, and they'll be considered in the next couple weeks. And those are HB 1625 and SB 620. So y these bills are both intended to repeal a prohibition currently in Virginia law that prevents war monuments from being removed. This so most recently came to light in August of 2017, where consideration of removal of the Robert E. Lee statue sparked violent protest. HB 1625 and SB 620 basically have identical language. HB 1625 was actually sponsored by Sally Hudson, who was elected this term to represent the Charlottesville district in the Virginia House of Delegates. There are other controversial statues in the city of Charlottesville that have different statuses in law. This is correct. Um, one example would be the Lewis and Clark in Sacagawea statue um, that sits on the intersection of West Main and Ridge Street. 
The statue is titled The First View of the Pacific and was sculpted in 1919 to commemorate the U.S. exhibition to the West Coast. So the statue depicts Lewis and Clark standing proudly at the forefront with Sacagawea cowering in the background. And some have said that she is in a very submissive, almost animalistic crouch in the background. And this has raised a lot of controversy surrounding the statue. First, in 2007, these issues came to light when a coalition of citizens and indigenous people came together and they appealed to the city council and they voiced all of their concerns for the presentation of Sacagawea on the statue. The council responded. They commissioned a 12 by 16 inch bronze plaque to be placed in front of the statue, paying tribute to Sacagawea, her contributions on the expedition, and all that she did to help Lewis and Clark make it to the West Coast. The removal of the statue was not a topic of conversation in 2007 when this issue was first brought to light, and the plaque was unveiled back in 2009. More recently, however, the removal of the statue has come back into the conversation. That is correct. Um, The city of Charlottesville unveiled their new streetscape construction project for the intersection of West Main and Ridge Street quite recently, And basically, if you have a car, if you drive anywhere downtown Charlottesville, you know the intersection can be a hassle. Um, So the city is totally reconstructing it. Construction plans are supposed to start somewhere around 2021, and the city is looking at completely removing the monument park in the center of the intersection and placing it about 40 feet to the southwest. So this obviously begs the question, should we have the statue there at all? That is correct. So in November of 2019, there was a work session held in which members of the Shoshone-Bannock tribe, who are descendants of Sacagawea, and members of the Monacan Indian Nation, came together with the city council and they discussed the fate of the statue. To hear more about this work session, we talked to Professor Delaney Smith, who was actually there and voiced her opinions. So if we could just get you to introduce yourself and then your position at the university. All right. I'm Jelaine Schmidt, Associate Professor of Religious Studies at the University of Virginia. I've been here since 2007. And um, for this episode of the podcast, we're covering the recent decision regarding the Sacagawea statue Mm -hmm. down on the West Main intersection. Um, Could you just tell us a little bit about what you know about the issue and your thoughts? Or the Lewis and Clark with Sacagawea statue was installed in 1919 donor was Paul Goodloe McIntyre. So this was one of the many um, cast bronze statues that he donated to the city of Charlottesville. This particular image, like a lot of them, it kind of gets to the issue, contested issue of intent versus effect, all right, which is often the case with uh, racism and white supremacy, right, this sort of thing. Uh, The intent, according to proponents, um, is that Sacagawea be honored by being in the in the sculpture and that uh, she wasn't cowering uh, but rather she was uh, crouching you know because she was trying to scout out positions you know for the for the party for the Lewis and Clark party. Native American folks uh, see it very differently and uh, I have a a couple of friends uh, here in town who are Native American one um, by the name of Guy Lopez uh, who is a graduate of the University of Virginia uh, Department of Anthropology has a master's degree uh, and he is Crow Creek Sioux. And another friend, uh, Grace Hayes, who is Chikasa. What happened was that 10 years ago, Guy Lopez 
um, organize for a delegation from Shoshone Nation to come here. The, these are the, the descendants, the, uh, the Lemhi Shoshone, to come here to Charlottesville in order to dedicate a plaque to Sacagawea. You know, so they were there, you know, to put this plaque in that at least their ancestor would have some, you know, more visible and dignified representation. And then, as, as we know, the, the conversation in, in Charlottesville about Confederate monuments got kicked up. And so there's been a lot of conversation over the past three years in Charlottesville about the nature of white supremacy in terms of its physical representation in town. But anyway, then along comes this development, this need to kind of connect you know, city council and, you know, planning commission and, you know, they're just kind of looking at things and wanting to make the traffic flow at the corner of Ridge and West Main uh, more navigable. And, and in part, this has to do with that traffic island that's in the middle that has that statue in it. So the statue was already going to be moved 20 feet, which in terms of the expense for moving a statue, the biggest expense is contracting with the crane company and getting a flatbed truck there that has the sufficient, you know, specs, you know, that can hold such a heavy statue. Uh, and then moving it over, building yet another platform that's firm enough to hold all the weight of the granite and the bronze. And, you know, I mean, it's all, that's the main expense. The cost of moving at 20 feet versus moving at two or three miles is negligible. <laughs> um, so then, you know, the mayor brought up again, Mayor Nakia Walker said, well, you know, maybe we should consider getting rid of this one. And so that kind of lit the fire again. And one of the things that Guy suggested <clears throat> to city council is that we need to have a delegation from Shoshone Nation come out here again and have a consultation with city council. And city council said, yes, yes, that, that's a good idea. And then finally, uh, the delegation came. It was an amazing uh, uh, gathering uh, at the Carver Recreation Center at the Jefferson School African American Heritage Center, you know, there in the middle of town. Uh, there was an all-day meeting. Uh, the city council was in the middle, and then on one side was the Shoshone delegation, and on the other side were um, uh, representatives of Monica Nation. Um, the Shoshone delegation uh, said that the the representative said I hadn't you know looked at at the internet you know I didn't realize that this was the image. But we have been all over the country since we're the descendants of Sacagawea. We've been all over the country and looked at different statues, you know, of, of our ancestor, and this is by far the worst one. <laughs> it's, it's the worst, you know. And they said in no uncertain terms, get rid of it. So the decision that you mentioned happening at the work session um, was the development of a proposal that would call for a restructuring of the statue that would take into account collaboration from Native American tribes local to the Virginian area and also the descendants of Sacagawea. Do you feel like this was the right decision for remaking the statue? What was decided was certainly to remove it, you know, and, and this was quite dramatic because basically, you know, these, these women from Shoshone Nation were so insistent, you know, and were insistent that there be a resolution passed that day. She, they said, don't tell me you brought us all the way across the country here to send us back to our people empty-handed. It's like, we've been out here before 10 years ago. This thing's been here 100 years. Now's the time. Anyway, so over the lunch break, you know, he you know, drafted a resolution and it was passed. You know, Now, in terms of, of what's going to happen with it, it's, it's still not really determined. You know, so the, the statue is going to be taken away. When, that is a question. 
Um, with respect to what's going to go in that place, I don't know if it was like kind of officially decided, you know, what was going on. Um, a, a recent um, um, issue that's come up is that with the President's Commission on the University in the Age of Segregation, right, there's been some um, activism uh, in some quarters, like n namely with uh, Guy Lopez and, and some others, you know, Native American students here to say, hey, this would be a good time you know, to address the university's, you know, relationship with, with Native peoples, you know. Um, so, you know, including the George Rogers Clark, you know, conqueror of the Northwest statue that is on UVA grounds, you know, um, the possibilities for a Native American, Native American studies, you know, here at UVA, and, you know, and this sort of thing, you know, not just about removing a statue, but actually doing repair. So um, you just mentioned the George Rogers Clark statue. Could you talk a little bit more about um, efforts around that statue? In many ways, it's even more blatantly racist. And um, can you talk about sort of that history and um, where you think that story should go? Yeah, well, that that statue is just, uh, in terms of the visual tableau, it is, it's the worst. You know, it's a monument. It's it's huge. And uh, yeah, the, the tableau, it, it, it shows, it's so violent. I mean, it shows uh, George Rogers Clark's party party in in the very act of a genocidal attack. You know, I mean, it's just it's just hideous, and uh, I, and in I just it's just indefensible. I mean, just you know, just if you look at it, you know. Um, so I really hope that the President's Commission on the University in the Age of Slavery will recommend its removal, and and not only that, but will you know make positive amends by, you know, uh, increasing the resources that are here for Native American studies. I want to hear your thoughts about how UVA students should take a part in this activism against these statues and whether or not they should still be in place, because you spoke about the recent slavery monument that is mm -hmm. the project that is ongoing, and how you hope that part of that project will be calling for the removal. Yeah of the George Rogers Clark statue? Yeah. This started with students agitating on this. You know, there was a student that had written her undergraduate history thesis, um, you know, on slaves at the university. I had mucked through all the archives there at UVA and dug up stuff that had never been dug up before. Students can do that again, you know? And it may take a long time. I mean, here we are. It's taken 10, 12 years. And finally, the, the Freedom Ring, you know, the monument to enslaved people, it's finally going in, you know, takes a while. Um, so students can do the same, you know, with the, with the George Rogers Clark uh, statue. There are, like, the Native American students here have been um, pretty vocal, you know, and I, I don't know if you've read what they've said, mm -hmm. you know, um, about just how shameful it is, you know, to be entering the university and that this is what you see. I mean, it's just, you know, it, it just doesn't speak very well to university, you know. So students need to agitate, you know and say that this is a priority and not only that I mean not to only like let's take this away and okay well glad that's over you know and kind of you know rush our hands at that but but activate act be active also in mobilizing and and advocating uh, in a positive direction and we want Native American studies so what was the outcome of the work session so the results of this work session was city council put forth a resolution calling for the removal of the statue. So it was decided that the statue was going to be removed officially. So there wasn't really a concrete plan from what I understand, and it looks like they had a lot of ideas of where it could go, including the 
Lewis and Clark Exploratory Center and other things like that, right? Right. So the big issue was is once they take the statue down, what are they going to do with it? And like you said, the Lewis and Clark Exploratory Center has already expressed interest that they would take it and they would put it in the center and turn it into an exhibit that would contextualize the statue. In addition to the decision to remove the statue, the council commissioned the staff to put together a plan for the statue's removal and also plan for what would replace it. It was recommended that they work in collaboration with the Monacan Indian Nation and the descendants of Sacagawea to try and put together a memorial that would respectfully represent Sacagawea and possibly other underrepresented voices of the indigenous people in the local area. To follow up with the city's plans, we spoke to city spokesperson Brian Wheeler. We wanted to apologize for the audio in the next interview. We had technical issues when recording, so the quality isn't great. My name is Brian Wheeler, Director of Communications for the City of Charlottesville. So at this work session, um, an amendment was passed and the board put forward a resolution that the statue would be removed in the upcoming weeks and a group of people was put together to try and organize how they're going to rework this memorial to Sacagawea. Can you talk about where that plan is at now? I, w I would say heading into that meeting, it wasn't clear that there would be action taken that day. I remember a reporter asking me, you know, what's going to happen today? And I said, well, you know, that's why we sit through these meetings. We don't always know what's going to happen. Uh, it was interesting. The Shoshone women in particular really um, expressed an interest in having a decision made. Now, you know, where it goes, uh, when it would be moved, those things are uncertain at this time. Uh, so at this point, uh, staff, the ball is in staff's court to uh, start that planning. And honestly, right now, we're more focused on um, the General Assembly and legislation that may impact the uh, Jackson and Lee statues in Charlottesville. Really, that that's the focus. Uh, council, many years ago, passed a resolution saying they wanted those statues removed. So right now, we're really more focused on seeing what happens there. Is there a timeline for the action being taken for the Sacagawea statue? Uh, yes and no. There's not an immediate time frame, but there is a longer term uh, time frame when it comes to construction related to the streetscape. So we expect construction in that area to begin late in 2021, so late next year. So between now and then, we definitely have to figure this out. So it sounds like there hasn't been much progress made on the city's end. That is correct. Sounds like progress towards the statute's removal and plans as to what will go in its place have Stop. effectively slowed. There is another McIntyre donated statue of George Rogers Clark, which is actually on grounds and therefore has a third legal status. Correct me if I'm wrong here. So this statue is not touched by the two bills that are currently in the General Assembly. Yeah, so these bills only apply to public monuments and specifically war mon monuments. And since this is not necessarily a war memorial and also on university-held ground, the university has sole discretion to remove it if it so pleases. Cavalier Daily news writer Rosalie Duvall reported the university's commission on the university in the age of segregation is actually considering the statue right now. That's right. Kurt Von Dack, the assistant dean of history and co-chair of the commission, said to Duvall, although the commission is not in a position to represent the university's policy here, I do think there's general consensus by the commission that the George Rogers Clark Monument is one that should top any list for removal or recontextualization. 
This statue has been frequently defaced, as most recently happened in November 2019 when red paint was thrown over it. UPD responded in that instance by throwing a blue tarp over it and has commonly come up in conversations amongst activists on grounds. Anthony Malabad, a fourth-year college student and president of the university's Native American Student Union, said the statue is, quote, less of a monument to George Rogers Clark and more of a monument to the forcing out of the Shawnee from their homeland. Coming up from downtown, the first thing people see is this monument to westward expansion and genocide. It reinforces the idea that Native American students are not welcome here, that University of Virginia is a white-only space, unquote. The Commission on the University in the Age of Segregation is not responsible for any decision-making regarding the statue, but it is responsible for research, advocacy, and making recommendations to University President Jim Ryan as to what should be done with the statue. A local petition was recently started by activist David Swanson and currently has over 580 signatures calling for the removal of the statue. The petition was passed on to the Commission for consideration back in August of 2019. So the status of this statue is very much up in the air, but as updates come in, we will be covering them. This season on On Record, we're introducing something new. So this season on On Record, we want to introduce a new segment where we talk about something other than our main story. Right. We want to give you a little glimpse into the minds of our hosts and tell you about something that's been piquing our interest this week. Nabil, what's been on your mind? <laughs> so... A couple of things. The I'm in some really interesting classes. In my anthropology class, we're reading Alexei de Tocqueville and really thinking about the origins of the egalitarian society, which is super interesting. And also, recent news, the longest woman to be in space ever just recently returned. I know. I'm super excited about it. Um, we just talked about it yesterday in my astronomy class, actually. I'm taking a really interesting one. It's Mission to Mars with Edward Murphy. He's a really great professor. If you ever get a chance, definitely take a class with him. Um, that man just really loves space, and I appreciate that. Yeah, so what's been on your mind? So what's been on my mind recently is related to that class. I went out and actually watched the International Space Station pass overhead, went over Virginia. It was visible for a couple nights, just for a few minutes, but if you went out at the right time and Professor Murphy was very good about sending us what times we had to go outside to go see it, so... I went out, um, got my star map out, made sure I was looking in the correct direction, and got to watch it pass overhead. And I was pretty blown away to see it streak across the sky and think, wow, there's actually people up there. Um, so yeah, it was a pretty surreal experience. Humbling. Very humbling, definitely. I felt very small. So to sum <laughs> up to sum up Paige and I's thoughts, we live in a society. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> On Record is written by Peyton Guthrie and produced by Grace Fluarty. Our hosts are Paige Waterhouse and Nabil Raza, and our editor is Nabil Raza.